different uh, parts of the human condition. Uh, there are psalms of anger, there are psalms of joy. We're going to be looking at this psalm today, which is a psalm of confusion. So this is Psalm 44, and it can be found on the inside of your bulletin, Psalm 44. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but then you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but then you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm, and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God, ordained salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes, and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continuously, and we will give thanks to your name forever. But you have rejected us, and disgraced us, and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoiled. You have made us like sheep for slaughter, and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and the scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and the reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon me, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secret of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up and come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. The word of the Lord. Well, this is a big day, isn't it? Super Bowl Sunday. I'm so glad it's at night, or the pews might be a tad empty. Uh, but nonetheless, everyone seems to have somebody they're rooting for. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting uh, how religion is intertwined with sports, isn't it? I don't know if you've been watching Ray Lewis, that gentle man, uh, for the Ravens, who has been continually giving thanks to God for the, the uh, getting them into the Super Bowl by a very ungodly way. Excuse me, ungodly was not the right word. I will take that back. A very interesting way. Wow, I'm losing the crowd already. Okay, let's continue. Okay, CNN recently released a poll uh, that 25% of people in this country believe that God is directly involved with the winning and losing of various teams. Indeed, over 50% the American populace say of athletes who believe in God, that God gives them health and success and better performance. Is that true? Is it not? I'm not sure. But you know, this concept of God being for us has been around for a long time. Some of you may not know how Christianity really came to the forefront of civilization. All the way up to about the year 300, 
Christianity was persecuted. Christians had to hide. They had to run. But something very interesting happened in, in 310. There was a guy named Constantine. And Constantine was trying to consolidate power. He wanted to take over the Roman Empire. So Constantine comes along as the night before the battle. He's battling another guy, Maxentius, who has twice the number of guys that Constantine has. And as Constantine is walking along, he has a vision. He has a vision, and in the sky he sees a flaming cross. And he hears the voice, in this sign conquer. And so Constantine paints the cross on every single one of the shields of his army, and lo and behold, they come out and they rout the other army. Constantine is the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire and declares Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. Why? God is on our side. See, we have that same sort of thing, don't we? You know, when things are going good, God is obviously on our side. He's for us. But what happens when things are going bad? Where is God then? Has He changed His allegiance? And so we struggle with our conception of God based on how things are going in our life. So does the psalmist. So do we. But I think the truth of the matter is as we look at the scriptures and we understand the psalmist, we can understand this, that we cannot always trust our ability to understand our circumstances. But we can trust God who put us in those circumstances. And so we must keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because our circumstances may change, but He never does. So let's take a look at some of the different variables that are going on here. Let's see how the psalmist and us responds in times of favor. How are we supposed to respond when things are going great? And then let us take a look of how we are supposed to respond when things are going terrible. When they're not working out. And then finally we're going to take a look at how can we know the difference and not live lives that are up and down, up and down based on our external circumstances. Because we cannot trust our ability to understand circumstances. But we can put our faith in God who put those circumstances in place. Well, let's look at the first point. In the past, what has happened when things are going well for this psalmist? He goes ahead and he recounts what's gone on. Psalm 44.1 Oh God, we have heard with our ears... Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in the days of old. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations. By them you planted our people. You afflicted the other peoples, but them you set free. See, he's recognizing the favor of God for the Israelites back in the day, leaving Egypt, coming into the land of Canaan, and displacing the nations. He's attributing that to the favor of God. But he's also attributing the strength to God as well. 44.3, for not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm, and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. See, they saw that it was God who fought for them. Not their own strength, but God who went before them, who empowered them, that shield with the cross on it, that went ahead and moved and displaced their enemies. They even understand why God did this, for you delighted in them. By the light of your face. And so as the psalmist looks at the past, he then looks at the present. He now looks at their situation. 44.5, through you, God, we now push down our foes, or we have pushed down our foes. Through your name, we tread down those who rise up against us. Everything that you've done, God, in our life, not just in theirs, is because 
foes and have put to shame those who hate us. And like the people of the past, he recognizes that it's God's strength that is allowing us to do this. 44, 6, for not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. Rather, it is God who is giving me the strength. And so as the psalmist recognizes this and realizes that it's the goodness of God which has blessed them, he responds. He celebrates and boasts in God. Verse 8, in God we have boasted continuously, and we will give thanks to your name forever. See, these guys, they're a fountain of, play, of praise. They're boasting of their God. They're not boasting of themselves and they're giving thanks forever. And they're also responding by affirming the kingship of God. Verse 4, you are my king, ordain salvation for Jacob. Have your hand, God, continually upon us. You know, one of the biggest challenges in life is to give credit where credit is due. Isn't it, you know? Things start going well, and we know as Christians that it's the favor of God upon us, but something happens as things become better and better. We start to attribute the credit to ourselves instead of God. It's by my own hand that I have done this. And we start to get puffed up a little bit, you know? And instead of recognizing God's strength, we start to recognize our strength and our wits and our cunning. The reason I'm in this particular position is because of myself. I remember uh, this was earlier in my life. I had left the ministry and I had taken a job. And this was during the dot-com era. Remember the dot-com era? What a fun time that was, huh? The great thing about the dot-com era is young guys could bluff their way into high-level positions by acting like they knew what they were talking about. You know, it said, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And so I bluffed myself into the director position of this technology company because I had done some stuff in tech and, you know, it was fake until you make it, you know? And I sort of rolled the dice on this particular, you know, project and the thing went great. And it started, do you remember that IBM commercial where they have like a sale or two and they're like watching and they're excited and then the sales start to crank, you know, crank up? That was what was going on with this job. I mean, it, it literally was shake the dice and I hit it and all of a sudden, I was making more money than I'd ever made before in my life. I had people who were running other businesses looking to me for advice and I was big man on campus. And something happened as I started to get more and more successful. I started to realize how beautiful and glorious I was. <laughs> how smart I was. How the skills and abilities that I had allowed me to live this life. And yes, they should listen to me. Why? Because I know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've experienced that as well. When things are going good at the business, or with your family, or with your kids compared to them, yes indeed, it's by my hand that I have done this. But what we learn here from this psalmist is in times of blessing to recognize victory is from the Lord. We need to recognize that He is the reason for your success. Think about your own life. How do you respond in times of success? The report card comes back. It's all A's. You've worked hard. All the planets have lined up. You're at the top of the heap. And so the question is, who do you attribute the glory to? To God or to myself? Go ahead and look at your own life. Play back the last three accomplishments in your life. When you really hit it out of the park. Were you looking to God for thanks and thanksgiving or were you looking to yourself? See, the truth of the matter is often I get the blessing, but God gets the blame. 
saying is give Him glory for His favor. Acknowledge that whatever's happening to you is good and acknowledge His blessing. Acknowledge it in the small things and in the big things. Acknowledge it continuously in all circumstances, publicly and privately. Acknowledge that He is the reason for your success and also continue to recognize that He is the source of your strength. When you do get in a position of accomplishment and things have gone well, don't look to your right hand. It is by my strength and cunning. But continue to stay humble and dependent on the Lord. Don't forget that He is your strength. Don't get cocky. Trust in Him and His strength. Recognize and praise the Lord in good times for His victory and His strength. Well, you know, it's easy to praise the Lord. Well, it's actually not that easy. But when things are going well, okay, Carlos, I get that. You know, when things are going well, praise the Lord. Easy. What about when things are going terribly? Okay, great, no problem. Terribly, how do we respond to God when our circumstances go south? Well, look at the psalmist. This is point two when things go south. Verse nine, he's recounted all of these great things about what God has done in the past, what God has done in the present. But now he says, verse 9, when you have rejected us and disgraced us and not gone out with our armies. In other words, God, you're not fighting our battles anymore. We're getting crushed. All that you did for us just a little while ago, you're now doing the opposite. Verse 10, you have made us turn back from the foe, and those who hate us have gotten spoiled. See, we have no power, God. They're overrunning us. We go out in confidence and we go running with our tail between our legs. We're being defeated. But also, God, we're being disowned. Verse 11, you have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. Remember, it was the Canaanites that got scattered, right? As God drew them together. But now God is scattering them just like he scattered the Canaanites. Verse 12, you have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. The Israelites thought, you know, we were priceless, right? The apple of his eye. And now we appear worthless. God has ransomed us from Egypt, but now he sells us for no cost. So we're defeated, Lord. We're being disowned, but we're also being disgraced. Verse 15, all day long my disgrace is before me, and shame has covered my face. We once were a proud people, a proud family, a proud person. But now we're ashamed. Verse 16, at the, at the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sound of the enemy and the avenger. See, the enemies that we used to push down, now they laugh at us. But the psalmist doesn't understand his circumstances. Because he says, wait a second, God, we have been faithful. Verse 17, all this has gone upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. See, they really wonder what's going on here. You know, we've been faithful to your commands. We've trusted you. We've been faithful to your lordship. Now, these people aren't saying they're perfect. They hear that. They're not saying they're perfect. What they're saying is, even in the law, there were ways to give, uh, to give sacrifices and atonement for sin. That's part of being faithful. But they're saying in sincerity of heart, we have been faithful. Why is this happening to us? Our heart has not turned back, verse 18, nor have our steps departed way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. The place of jackals was a place of ruin. 
There was no, there was no city anywhere. There was no land, just wild animals. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this for He knows our heart? And yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We're sheep for the slaughter. See, why are they feeling this way in the midst of these circumstances? We certainly can understand it, right? We certainly can understand where they're coming from. But you see, for Israel, failure is unfaithfulness. Obey and you will inherit. If you disobey, you'll surely perish. See, but is that necessarily true in their life and in ours? We ask the same question, don't we? God, why is this happening to me? I've been faithful to you. I'm not running from you. I'm trying to be faithful and walk in my life. You know, why did the doctor's thing come back with this report? You know, why didn't I get that promotion? Indeed, why did I get that pink slip? Why does it seem like everyone else is hitting it out of the park and I keep striking out? I know that in the past, things have gone well for me and I've recognized your blessing, but why now? Why is this happening to me? And all too often in the darkness of night, we say, God, why do you hate me? See, they and we conclude that God is for us we know that because we've been successful. But the danger in that, my friends, is this, that we equate success with the favor of God. We look to history to explain our present reality. If you want to decipher the favor of God, if you have it or not, look at success. But you see, that's really dangerous and really bad. Because what we do when we look at other people when they're not doing well is in our heart of hearts say, something's wrong with them. Well, they must have disobeyed. And we look at ourselves as well, thinking that God has abandoned us and He doesn't love us. How do we know that God is for us? Because we're successful. Isn't that obvious? I remember as a, uh, as a college student, I uh, wasn't the smartest, uh, you know, what does it say, the tool in the shed, sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, you know, so I, I, I started feeling sick. I think it was my second year. We were going to run this marathon, though. Me and some buddies were running the marathon. There was only one problem. I couldn't train, you know, because I kept on getting a cold and things like that. So I went out. I ran 26 miles. I'd never done it before. Was feeling great and proud of myself. Went home with my girlfriend, Leellen, and I hit the wall. I crashed. I got sick. Little did I know that I had mononucleosis when I ran this marathon. I basically shattered my immune system. But for a while, here's the worst thing. For seven or eight months, they misdiagnosed it. You know, I went to the quack shack, which is you know, what we call the college, you know, thing, and they, they did the cheap test. And so basically they said, it's a sinus infection. There's nothing wrong with you. And so for the next seven, eight months, I'm wondering, what's wrong? God, why are you doing this to me? But you know, the truth of the matter is God uses failure and difficulty to shape our life and our relationship with Him. You know, it's in the darkness of night that we discover the goodness of God. It's there where God is shaping us and, and molding us into people that can get away from our circumstances and understand God and worship Him in any sort of circumstance. See, you and I, you have to define your version of success. See, everybody's got a measuring stick of your version of success. Maybe it's living in the right neighborhood. 
Maybe it's the right job. Maybe it's the right friends. We've got this ruler that we take and we measure up against our life to tell us whether we're being successful or not. And truth be told, we bring it right into Christianity, don't we? It's the same thing, you know. This guy's doing great. His wife's getting prettier. His kids are getting better grades. He's hitting out of the park. Why is he so blessed by God and not me? Obviously, he has some sort of favor. But Jesus says that you have to ditch your version of success. Because I have a different one for you. See, God's version of success, His yardstick, is that we are made for His glory. And God more and more is conforming us into His likeness through good times and bad times. You know, it takes the chisel, doesn't it? Hitting across. You know, I don't know if you remember that story of Michelangelo, you know. He saw this big rock. And in it, he saw this beautiful David, David. And they said, how did you create this magnificent structure? And he said, I saw the angel in the stone, and I carved until I set him free. See, that's God. But the way that we're shaped in his life is the measuring stick is Jesus. If you want to know who are you, you are supposed to be and will be, look at Christ. The man, the image of God, because we're made in the image of the image. And so God is conforming us with the chisel. We're so messed up with success. You know, take a look at Jesus' life. How was that, getting hung on a cross? Success? His followers left him. The entire crowd turned against him. Did he have, did he wonder, God, where have you gone? What about John the Baptist? Okay, he's, he's out there, he's preaching, he's going at hair, you know, he's everywhere. They put him in prison. Okay, I can see John the Baptist sitting there going, you know, I didn't think it was going to turn out this way, God. As the guy comes, they beheaded him. What kind of success is that? I don't know if you've been following in the, in the paper this Iranian pastor who has been in prison uh, and given an eight-year sentence simply for being Iranian and a Christian and preaching the gospel. Is that success? See, truth of the matter is this, my friends. Sometimes God doesn't make any sense. But we cannot equate success with failure. Okay, this doesn't mean that God is not going to bless your life. But God blesses your life even in death. Because God is bigger than this world. And God has the eternal perspective. God is not with you any less in difficulties than He is in good times. You know, we do have to ask our question though, are we living in conformity with His ways? We are sinners. The scripture says it clearly that you can be following Christ and we're still sinning. But when you decide to step out of God's boundaries and live in a way deliberately contrary to His will, we reap the consequences for that. But that's not what the psalmist is talking about and that's not what I'm talking about here. That as we live in a way with His plan, that we can find the blessing in our circumstances because we know that God is using them to shape us and mold us. And though we have to endure them, we can look into them and say, God, where are you in this? You love me. You're doing something in your life, in my life. I don't understand it. Help me to see. And so we can not focus on our circumstances because we cannot trust our ability to understand our circumstances. But through Christ, we can trust in God who gave us those circumstances and keep our eyes on Him. And so we must celebrate the victories when all is going well. But we must endure disappointments as well. 
trusting in the goodness of the Lord. And we must also hope in His promises. Our focus must be on the Lord. The Scriptures tell us in enduring Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So we must focus on His faithfulness. And here's the beauty. We can declare victory even in defeat. Because God is doing the shaping in our life to turn us for our own glory. So the question we have to have, this is my final point. You know, we're up, we're down. We're up, we're down. We endure, we celebrate. How do we stay the course and not let our life go like this? You know, it's one thing to know it here. It's another thing to live it. Well, how does the psalmist live it out? He says in 23, Awake, God. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. I need you, God. I want you. Verse 24, Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? God, don't let me go beyond what I can bear. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to us. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. See, what the psalmist is saying, he doesn't not talk to God about his circumstances. He doesn't say it's all pie in the sky, by and by. This is just a great time that we're having here as we're having these difficulties. But no, he says, redeem us, watch over us for the sake of your steadfast love. See, we have to base our life on the steadfast love of God, not in changing circumstances. Because what you and I are looking for is not better circumstances. What we're looking for is Him. How do we know when all of this that I'm saying is true? How do we know that life isn't just a capricious sort of up and down and I'm just selling you a bag of goods? It's easy to say it, but then you have to go home right now, don't you? To your troubles and difficulties and wonderings, how can we trust that these words of God are true? The answer is Jesus. Because everything that you've experienced and faced and will face, God condescended to lower himself as a man to do the same thing. So he would show you that he understands what you're going through. And this is the way to live. See, Jesus went through bad for our good, didn't he? Born as the son of an illegitimate marriage, as an illegitimate child. What do you think it was like growing up for Jesus in a place that valued honor and so forth? What was it like being misunderstood? The very people you created mocking you and not liking you and spitting at you and hanging you. Jesus was faithful because he understood circumstances are not my measuring stick for God. It's the love of God, his faithfulness to me. And so Jesus' gift to us is his life and his promise of faithfulness. The covenant of his faithfulness. That it doesn't matter if I have this or don't have this. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad. It's about him. I have him and he has me. I don't understand what's going on, but I have what I need. See, guys, success is fleeting, but God is not. We're not home yet. We have to go through these difficulties as God chisels us out of the stone. Don't be confused about where your treasure is. 
and put your life continually up against the measuring stick of this life. See, if you have Jesus Christ, you have all that you need. And one day we will see him face to face and we will be transformed into his glory. And no longer will we there in death or crying or pain for the old order of things that passed away. Place your hope on the love of Christ. Refuse to seek victory in anything else. Trust God's commitment to you. What you want, my friends, is not better circumstances. What you want is Him. He is the unchanging circumstance in a world of changing circumstances. So don't trust your circumstances, but rather trust God who has put you in those circumstances. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, because your circumstances may change, but He never will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you're so much bigger than the fleeting and flighty circumstances of our life. Lord, indeed, that we can declare victory in our defeat and failure. Because, Lord, you are shaping us and molding us, that you hold on to us and you won't let us go. I thank you, Jesus, that you are not this, uh, this force in the sky that we cannot understand, but rather you lived as a man. And amidst defeat and victory, you showed us God's love. And you showed us that that love is for us as well. Lord, help us not to fix our eyes on our circumstances, but our fix your, our eyes on you, Lord. Our circumstances will fade, Lord, positive and negative. But you never change, Lord. And so we choose to trust in you and rejoice in you, the rock of our salvation.